0: Tim Goldstein, Autistic Adult, and your host for Life in a Neurotypical Universe, where we take a look at life from the perspective of an Autistic Adult. Today on Life in the Neurotypical Universe, we're going to do something different. What I'm gonna do this time is what I refer to as learning nuggets. And what learning nuggets are is little sound bites that each little sound bite delivers a little nugget of information. And I went and strung together a bunch of learning nuggets that I had recorded for Optimize and we actually had done as videos. But in this case, I'm sharing it to you from just the audio portion. I think you're going to enjoy them and I would love to hear your feedback and uh, what you like about them. Thank you very much. Enjoy! I forgot to mention that these learning nuggets were recorded back in 2018. Back in 2018, I still didn't have all the language down in the right terms. And I was going with the somewhat American standard of using the term neurodiverse as an individual. Well, I've since been schooled on that is not correct because neurodiverse is an adverb, so it really describes the makeup of a group. So you can have a neurodiverse group, but you can't have a neurodiverse person. And that's why I coined the word neurodistinct. So whenever you hear me saying neurodiverse, think neurodistinct, and you'll have the correct terminology that I use today. Thank you. Enjoy. Yeah, it really doesn't matter how you're interacting with a neurodiverse person, whether you're uh, a coworker with them, whether you're the manager, whether you're a recruiter, uh, all times you have to remember that anxiety is going to bring out the worst of the traits that they have and not the best that they are. You know, in far too many companies, once you get inside, you have no clue how to move forward in your career. and. Everybody struggles with that, not just us neurodiverse, but us neurodiverse, just because of the way our brains work, we want to have that path and know what the map is so that we can follow the path and accomplish the goal. Everybody in the the working world has to put up with change, and change for everybody is difficult. It's very stressful. It's very anxiety-producing. So when you have somebody that is neurodiverse and you're working with them, you recognize that anxiety is the biggest thing you have to control. So when you have a change, you want to make sure that they're aware and even better involved with that change instead of just coming in and saying, oh gosh, we're rearranging all the desks and you move here today. you having a company culture where I feel comfortable in is sometimes hard to find and I think some of the reasons are people don't understand what autism actually is. So they're not necessarily comfortable being around me. And unlike the stereotype that us on the spectrum don't like to have interactions with people, that's quite untrue. We actually do enjoy being with other people. We just have had very poor experiences because the way our brains process, we haven't done it very well. You know, if, if a company or a recruiting firm feels that interviews are the way that they have to go about doing things, there are ways that they can at least make it a little bit easier. And some would be, give an exact rundown of how the interview is going to go before the interview. Give a list of questions of what you're going to ask before the interview. Uh, when you have them do something, uh, I come from the computer world, so often you're given a programming problem give me a computer to do it on. Don't have me do it on a whiteboard. I don't program on a whiteboard for a living. Well, I was at a company uh, recently where I was having a discussion with the HR people and had told them that I am on the spectrum. And the response back I got from one of their HR people was, oh, I understand autism. I had a couple psychology classes in in college. And then from the other one was, oh, yeah, I understand it, it's just like a personality type or communication style. Yeah, you know, for companies to try and make it comfortable for people who are on the spectrum to disclose, one of the things that I have seen as being most effective is actually bringing in a speaker that is on the autism spectrum and who can connect to both the neurodiverse and the neurotypical. And I had done that for some companies and including global companies and very interestingly, get emails from different people who say, thank you so much, I'm on the spectrum and now I feel like I can talk about it. If a manager happens to have somebody that is neurodiverse or going to have somebody neurodiverse, to me, the number one thing that they need to understand in managing that person is manage their anxiety is the most important thing they can do. Because just like Everybody else, when you get anxious, you perform poorly. When we get anxious, we also perform poorly, except even more poorly. (laughs) The way that a mentor can help the most in career development is by pointing out where we need to improve. It's all too common for us who are neurodiverse to think that by working on our technical skills and getting another certification and learning another language is going to help us move up the ladder when the reality is it's the soft skills that matter so much to move up the ladder. Yes, you have to be good at your programming language, but having the 10th language is not going to make you become the super leader of the group. Having a mentor at work could be one of the most valuable things you have, and also it's one of the most rare things you have. And the reason I say it's so rare is, unless we respect the person, we will not believe them and follow them. But having a mentor we can respect can help us understand what those cultural things are and somebody that we can trust that when they tell us that they're giving us an honest opinion. Oftentimes, when we run into social problems in the workplace, We have time to think about it and think how we're going to respond, but unless we have somebody that we can trust that will talk to us in a way we can understand, we're never going to understand how to navigate that hidden agenda that exists in every company. That's another one of the real stereotypes that seems to have come about is that all autistic people are about the same. And that would be like saying that all everybody else human is all the same. We know that everybody's an individual, and just because we happen to have this condition called autism doesn't mean that we're not human and human individuals just like everybody else. You know, onboarding is just a super, super important thing. And unfortunately, in so many companies, onboarding is here's your insurance paperwork and here's your 401k administrator. And you know, that does nothing to help us understand how should we respond to emails that come from executives. What's the protocol for meetings? Do you leave the meeting on time or are you one of those organizations where everybody hangs outside the conference room waiting for it to stop? So the culture of your organization needs to be transmitted to us because we are not going to pick up automatically that social culture like most people will you know how i see myself as somebody who has autism is very different than the person first that most people look at disabilities with and the reason i say that is with most disabilities if you have the disability of not being able to walk that doesn't change who you are as a person and how you think but when you have autism everything that i perceive and everything that i process comes in through my autistic mind so to me I'm an autistic person, not a person with autism. Another stereotype is that often that we're not flexible in situations. And that is quite far from the truth. We can be quite flexible, but if the situation has a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety, just like most people, we do poorly then, just like most people do poorly when they're under stress and anxiety. It's interesting some of the most uh, common stereotypes around being autistic And, and one of them, and this is a personal pet peeve one, is that we like doing repetitious stuff. Personally, I hate repetitious stuff, but I'll keep doing stuff that I like repeatedly. Well, some of the key things I think employers really need to understand about people on the spectrum is it's not the traits that really matter. Yes, we have traits that may be obvious, and maybe some of those traits are things that we need accommodations for. But the real key about us is the way we think, not the traits we may display. You know, an example in training that uh, would be a case where a neurotypical would describe it quite differently. We need to hear it is maybe explaining how it is that you conduct meetings in your company and to simply say that uh, we work in a uh, very uh, collegial type environment to us tells us nothing because we don't understand what collegial means what you have to say is something along the lines of We respect the other person's right to have an opinion and speak. And while you may disagree with that opinion, you must bring it up only at the appropriate time for you to talk. You can't just jump in at any time and say you're wrong. training in the corporate world is interesting because usually training comes out of an HR department and an HR department tends to be very neurotypical people. So the problem with the training very often is it's using terminologies, it's using uh, approaches, it's using thought patterns that are neurotypical. And to us on the neurodiverse, where we look at it as black and white, we don't follow those gray shades of scale. So it's very important to think about it from the way and in the method that we think about things and present it that way. And if there is supposed to be gray in the middle, Uh, you have to somehow turn that into a black-and-white view of how to look at gray. You know, as a neurodiverse individual, I I tend to strive to do the absolute best job I can and as close to perfection as I can accomplish. And sometimes that does take extra time and time beyond and, and a quality level beyond what the client actually needs. It's super important for the managers to actually set some kind of idea of what their expectations are. And a great way is show an example. Disclosing that you're neurodivergent is a a complicated question. And one of the things that I, I think has to be considered is first off, is there any value to disclosing? If you're in a situation where they're not going to recognize your neurodivergent, and you don't need any extra aid or assistance or accommodation, then there's zero value. So why muddy the waters with saying you're something that they won't even know at that point? There's times where it does make sense to disclose. And say you're somebody who has difficulty uh, responding in real time and you're going into an interview. Well, that would be a situation where you do want a little bit of an accommodation, and simply say, "I happen to have, you know, autism, and I take a little bit of time to process. So, can you please give me a little extra time so I can give you a good response?" Th- this one's probably tougher for me, and the reason I say I'm going to say that is because all you have to do is type Tim Goldstein into Google and the first thing that comes up and this third thing and the fourth and the fifth thing that comes up is the fact that I am on the spectrum Uh, so you know it really does make it a little different for me than most people Interviews are a really interesting subject and one that I, I happen to be very good at because of the number of times I've lost jobs and Why they can be so difficult is, normally interviews, you're interviewing with neurotypicals and they're trying to evaluate for your social abilities and skills, not for your technical skills. The tech skill usually ends up being just a little tiny piece of the interview, and then the rest is all social fit, which by definition is one of the biggest areas us on the spectrum have challenges with. Neurodiversity at work is really coming out in my mind because We found in the 90s how to really get children to be able to teach them and train them so that they could get through school, which didn't happen in the past. And if you think of it, from the 90s to now, that means now they're in career age. And we have the shortage of workers that happen to have the need, the minds of those people, but we don't know how to quite fit them in everywhere. You know, when dealing with neurodiverse people and people on the autism spectrum like myself, mental health becomes a big issue because what science has found is most of the genes that are involved with autism are also involved with many of the other mental health issues. And anxiety and depression happen to be two of the biggest comorbidities or most common things that go along with being autistic. We hope that you've enjoyed another episode of Life in a Neurotypical Universe. Please, if you enjoyed this, share it with your friends. Go take their phone and subscribe them. It will help us all out. If you want to know more about neurodiversity or have any questions for me, you can reach me at my website, timgolstein.com, where I'll be more than glad to help you as best I can to navigate through the neurotypical universe.